Good morning. Just going to deposit that there. Um, man, um, I just want to say this morning, church, I love you guys. Thank you, two people. Yeah, great. Um, I've not made two of you mad. We'll start over next week with three of us. It'll be great. Um, man, I love you guys. Um, but because I love you guys, I want you to know, like, last Sunday was not the, like, pinnacle of where we're going. Oh, we had a great Easter. It was amazing. We were excited. That was last week. I'm looking for this week. And I'm going to be pushy a little bit um, because I feel like we need it. And if that makes you uncomfortable or mad, I'm sorry. But the truth of it is, man, we're not in this room to be comfortable. right? We're too worried about comfort in the church. Get over that. Um, God never called us to be comfortable. He said, I'm sending you out a sheep among wolves. It's not a comfortable feeling, actually, at all. So the next few weeks, um, until we get there, I might be pushy. But I just want to know somebody's with me. Right? We started this year, and we we're like, man, we're going for it this year. We're going for it, and we're not going to hold back. That's what we rallied around at the beginning of the year. And, man, Sunday wasn't, oh, we hit that point. Sunday was, oh, man, God, God finally opened it up in the room, and we started to see some of that. So I'm not, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to start. Yeah. Amen? Sunday was permission for me, the green light for me. Um, and, and whatever God does with that, he's going to do with that, and I'm okay with that. But I just want you to know, like, I'm excited about what God is doing in this place. Amen? Amen? And I don't care what day it is. <laughs> and I've been all week, I've been like, man, the, the, the full vacant tomb, that's been an amazing thing. And, and man, look at what God did on Friday. Um, and I've been looking forward to this morning, and, and I don't feel like we got there, do you? Like, if, it, if my hand wasn't cramping up, we would just go and do worship all over again right now. I don't feel like we got there. But isn't God worth more? Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, you were dead. Yes, Amen. And if you're not still dead, then the word is there, right? You were dead in your trespasses and your sins, but God made us alive through Jesus. And at that moment, everything changed. Amen? And at that moment, we began to see, it's not the end of what God is worth, it's the beginning of God, what God is worth. We began to see what the grace of Jesus is worth, and I'm going to press into that with all I got. And if you don't like it, you're going to have to tell me to leave, or you're going to have to, because, man, that's where I'm going. Amen? Because I want to see a church that is alive. I'm tired of going to funerals every Sunday. Amen? This is not a little somber, like reverent, like let's look at the cross and remember how our Savior died. He did for three days. But he's not still dead. Amen? So we're going to push into that life. And I'm going there. And I hope you go with me. I really do. But man, I believe that is the moment where the church begins to be what Jesus made for it to be. Amen? I'll just be honest. I've been to church my whole life. I've not really been that impressed. Amen? Anybody with me? I feel like that's okay to say. Uh, I'm not convicted by that. I've been to church my whole life, and I've sat and I've heard people talk, some passionate, some very not passionate speakers. And I've heard people sing, some very passionately and some very not passionately. But when I read this book, amen, there's more to it than that. And, and this morning, in the next few weeks, and probably forever, hopefully, that's where I want to go because I'm not content with coming and singing songs. If we sing one song or 12 songs, I'm not content. Amen? And I'm not content with listening to some guy's opinion about what this means. I want to experience the God of the Word. Amen? I don't want to read the Word, although I do want to read the Word. Um, 
I don't want to just read the word. I want to experience the word that is Jesus Christ. And this morning, we're going to lean into that as hard as we can because, man, I believe that this could be like the trigger moment where we look back and people are like, man, what is going on in that place? Amen. Friday was amazing, by the way. If you were at Friday, we showed some pictures. We'll do that at the end if you didn't see that. Friday was amazing. To me, the, the fact that a church, like a group of people with like 60 people in it, this is slow Sunday, if you've never been here before, it's raining, Christians melt in the rain. Um, don't know if you know that. I don't know how we made it here. Um, <laughs> um, might need to pray. Um, but man, that was an amazing moment, wasn't it? I lost the train of thought, sorry, I shouldn't joke. Um, <laughs> That was an amazing moment, Friday. And to me, the, the fact that a church with like 60 people in it can pull off something like that is amazing. Like I, I, I left and I was like, man, I'm proud to be part of whatever God's doing because God's doing something in that place. And man, I left and I'm like, oh, where's my overflow t-shirt at, right? <laughs> because that was amazing. But what I loved more than any of that is not one time did we have the conversation from that platform, this is overflow. It was all about him. Man, wouldn't you love to be the church like that? And I just want to say this morning, if you had anything to do with that at all, in any level, whether it was like, I prayed for it, I showed up to it, I planned it, because I didn't. Uh, if, if you were any of that, um, man, thank you. And that was amazing. And uh, I'm already looking forward to next year. I don't know about you. Um, but this morning, um, let's not make that, right, that moment that we go back to and think, man, what an amazing moment. That's not the idol for us. That's the memorial stone, right? So this morning, um, we're going to continue to talk about um, the story of Jesus that I'm so captivated by. Um, and we're going to start a new series called What Now? What Now, right? Th- at this moment, uh, I think it's a very, maybe some of you guys are like, that's not even really a title. It's more of a question. And you didn't answer it. So I don't know if I can get behind that. Just get behind it. It'll be fine. Um, But this morning, we're going to start a series called What Now? And the idea completely behind the series is that question, what now? It may sound silly to you, but I believe, man, there would have been a lot of people asking that question, right? In the life of Jesus, what we had just seen was that this Jesus, this Savior, this guy that the disciples had declared to be the Messiah, someone that they loved dearly, that they left their homes to follow for three and a half years and follow around, this guy had just been crucified, Right, not just like died, not just like, hey, they woke up one morning and Jesus wasn't there, but like, he, he died. I don't know if you get the implication of that, but think about that. The, the guy who healed people, right? Yeah. Like, he, he had the power to speak to people that have never walked before and just say, get up. And they're like, man, that's a great idea. And they would get up and walk around. Or people that had never seen before, he, he had the power to, to look at them and just, just kind of touch their eyes. And they were like, man, I can see now. That's amazing. Never done that before. What an amazing thing. He had the, he had the power actually to speak into like tombs, places where people were dead, right? And say, hey, get up. And dead people were like, man, that's uh, it's a brilliant idea. I think I will get up today. Nobody else can do that. Nobody in the history of the planet has been able to do that. That's a pretty impressive thing. And then that guy died. A guy that they had professed as Messiah, Savior of the world, was now dead, laying in a tomb for three days, and then kind of out of nowhere, right? Here's Jesus again. And then that leaves us um, with some questions. And, and some of those questions are, am I awake right now? Because that seems impossible 
never experienced that before. Nobody's been able to do that before. But another question is for the disciples, what now? Where do we go from here? Uh, he was alive, and I knew what to do kind of in that process, and he died, and I was just kind of getting used to that process, and now here he is again, very alive. What in the world are we going to do, right? So in the story of uh, Jesus and John, we're going to kind of enter into chapter 20, if you got your Bible with you, and um, we're going to look at Jesus right after the resurrection. Um, I'm going to kind of paraphrase the first few verses and then we'll get into the story this morning. But we see about verse 19, Jesus steps into um, the story again for most of the disciples. It says, In the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because of their fear for the Jews or of the Jews. When Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, Peace to you. In this moment, we see Jesus for the first time enter the room. This is the first time most of the disciples have seen the resurrected Jesus. They're sitting around huddled up in a room, kind of praying and hiding and hoping like nobody comes in, nobody finds him, nobody does anything. The Jews don't come in because if they'll crucify Jesus, what's that mean for me, right? I used to follow him and he's dead. And if he can be dead, I can be dead. And at this moment, sure, they had heard stories of the resurrected Savior because there's about three people who have now seen him alive on the planet at this point in time. But we're like just at Sunday night after Jesus come out of the tomb on Sunday morning and they're sitting around scared and then into that fear, Jesus enters the room. Jesus kind of pops in and the first thing off his lips is, hey, don't be freaked out, right? Peace to you. I know <laughs> this is weird. It's awkward. I, I know I was dead, um, but I'm not dead anymore. It's a long story, actually. I kind of already told you about it beforehand, but you didn't get that. So here I am. All right, it's really me. And then into that moment, he, he, he shows him his scars. He says, hey, look at this, guys. Um, it's me, right? You can see through my hand there. It's pretty awesome. I was nailed, right, to a tree. It's amazing. Uh, you, can, you can check out my side. I'm not going to show you that because nobody wants to see that, but you can check out my side if you want to. Go ahead and go ahead and fill that if you need to do that, but yeah, it's really me. It's really Jesus, and then he says again, peace to you, and then he commissions the disciples for the first time, and he says, hey, just like the Father sent me, that's a cool story. You were there for most of it. Just like the Father sent me, um, now I'm sending you and then he breathes on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit, kind of the fuel of the church. And then he tells them about this message that he has given them. He says this message has the power to free people from their sins, and it also has the power to bind people in their sins. And what a powerful message that is. See, the reality of it is I don't have the power to do any of that. Jesus didn't show up today, and he's like, hey, by the way, all the people you don't like, you just tell them they're going to hell, and it's going to happen. And all the people you like, you just tell them they're going to heaven. It's going to be an amazing deal. And see, it's not up to us, and that's what he shows him in the story. Uh, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you, and you're just going to do your thing. I want you to go, and I want you to tell the story of the resurrected Savior. I'm going to give you some help. I'm going to breathe the Holy Spirit on you. But before you go, I want you to know this is a serious thing that I'm giving you. Because I'm giving you right now, you, 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 I'm giving all of you right now this message. And this message, this, just this story of the resurrected Savior has the ability to set people free from their sin and their shame and their guilt. That's an amazing message you got. 
but I just want you to know it's not going to work that way for everybody. Some people, they're going to hear it, they're going to reject it, and man, it's just going to bind them up in their sins. It's not really that much different than now. They're already that way, but you can tell them. And what an amazing commission Jesus gives these people. Think about this. Jesus has been dead for three days. The first time he shows back up into the story, right, the thing off his lips is, hey, I want you to know there's no reason to be freaked out. All right? I beat death. I'll tell you the story later. Got the keys, death, hell, and the grave. Tell you the story later. Uh, You can have peace because I'm alive, and if I'm alive, you can be alive. That's great. Let's not worry about that right now. I got something for you. You got to go tell the story. You got to get out of here. You got to go tell the story. Uh, Peace to you, whatever. Here's the Holy Spirit. It's serious work that I'm giving you right now. It's a serious job. It's not a little job. It's not like a little busy work thing until I get back here. It's a serious thing. Go and tell the story. Right? And that's an amazing thing. Unfortunately, all the disciples weren't there to hear it. (laughs) It says in 24, but one of the 12, which is really now the 11, because Judas is dead, right? One of the 12, Thomas, called twin. His last name was Didymus, and it meant the twin. They're just telling you which one. uh, Was not with them when Jesus came. Wouldn't you hate to be that guy? Right? (laughs) Like, for what? For real? I miss one time. I've been with Jesus for three and a half years, every day. Left everything I got, come to Jesus, followed him around the wilderness, saw all kinds of amazing things, but he was dead, and the one day he comes back to life, I'm not there to, I'm not there to see it. <laughs> this is like the greatest argument in the Bible for why you shouldn't miss church, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right? The one day you're not here, Jesus is going to show up, like in the flesh. You're going to hear stories. You're going to be like, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I wasn't there. I don't believe that. And you're going to hear stories about how awesome it was, and you're going to have missed it. Like, this is a great argument right here. I would not want to be Thomas called whatever because Jesus showed up in the room, and I was somewhere else. Right? Horrible. <laughs> That's the way he gets written into this story. That's great. Um, we don't want to be written in that way. Um, but it says, one of the 12, Thomas called twin, was not with them when Jesus came. In 25, it says, so the other disciples kept telling him, we have seen the Lord. Isn't this amazing? So here, here's the story. Thomas missed when Jesus come in the room, right? Like Jesus literally through the wall, standing there. And Thomas was somewhere else. And he comes back in, and they're like, dude, you missed it. I don't know where you were or what you were doing, but like, Jesus came in the room. What do you mean Jesus came? No, he didn't. It's ridiculous. Jesus died on the cross. I watched that happen, right? And now somebody's taken his body. I've not seen it. I don't, I don't believe any of that. You guys are hallucinating or something. I don't, I don't believe any of that, right? And they're telling him this story about how they have seen this resurrected Lord. I I think this is amazing because just a few verses earlier, look at what Jesus said. Oh, (laughs) I know that I'm here. Peace to you. Here's my hands. Here's my side. Whatever. Don't worry about that. Um, I'm going to send you just as the Father sent me. And here are just a few verses later. They're already going. But the first person they go to, right, is Thomas. A disciple who followed Jesus for three and a half years. 
And they're like, dude, we, we saw, you, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. You should have been here. Uh, you, I know you went out to get fish. It was amazing, whatever. You should have been here, though, because Jesus showed up in the room. They're already fulfilling, right, what God sent them to do. They're already telling stories of the resurrected Savior. Amen? Well, we, didn't, we didn't have time to study that, right? Oh, but Jesus, I have to know all the theology first before I go and tell people this story. I have to, let me, let me have some time. I've got to study. I've got to read. I've got to go to school. I've got to watch. Who cares? Right? A few seconds later, Thomas walks in the room, and they're like, dude, you've got you to hear this. You've got to hear this. They didn't Bible verse him to death, did they? Oh, uh, let, me, let me read this for you, man. It's amazing. Uh, it's in Revelation. They didn't theology him to death. Oh, man, I know. You know, like there's this, there's this thing, and then this thing happened, and this thing happened. They didn't do any of that. They just told him the story of what just happened to them. So you don't have to study for that. Right. Truth of it is, if you see the resurrected Savior, you have a story, right? Yeah. You don't have to go study and get somebody else's story, make sure you got it all linear and figured out. You got a story. So Jesus wasn't worried about the process. He was just worried about, like, putting it into motion, right? And he said, hey, go tell people the story of the resurrected Savior. And then Thomas walks in, and they're like, man, that's a great idea. Um, Thomas, you missed it this morning because Jesus showed up. And it says, they kept telling him, we have seen the Lord, but this is what he says to them. If I don't see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into the side, I will never believe. This is what Thomas says, right? A disciple of Jesus who followed him for three and a half years, heard story after story about how he's going to be crucified, story after story about how he was going to be raised from the dead. Here he actually does what he says he's going to do. He's seen it play out just like Jesus has said it. And then they start telling him, man, here's the story of the resurrected Savior. And the first thing he does is not believe it. See, the truth of it is, the first time outside of Jesus sharing the gospel, anybody else come to share the story of the resurrected Savior is also the first time the story was rejected. See, this is where most of us would have quit, right? If we made it this far, let's just be honest. If we made it this far, this is where most of us would have quit. Oh, I can't, I can't tell people because um, I told him and um, it didn't go well. He rejected it. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, I was expecting like some, you know, some revival and it didn't happen. And because it didn't happen, I'm done. Jesus, if you wanted me to tell your story, if this was my gift, if this is something that I could do, you'd have made me better at it, right? Like it's, it's actually your fault, Jesus, because you didn't make me able and capable to tell the story. If, if that was it's somebody else's gift, probably, but it's not my gift and we would have been done. But that's not actually how Jesus intended for it to go, was it? See, the, the truth of it is when we share the gospel, it's assumed that more often than not, it will be rejected. See, the truth of it is, uh, we could ask a question uh, about salvation. Don't raise your hand, please. Just raise your hand in your heart. Um, how many times did you have to hear the gospel before you came, right? See, because I, I grew up in church. I don't know how many times... I heard the gospel, but like I was born, and then I, I think I was at church. I don't really remember that part of my life, but I know that I was there a lot. And I even know that like for probably a period of months before I ever came to know Jesus, like I felt the need to come to know Jesus. On the outside, what you would have seen is, I'm good. Nothing. Not affected. It's not hitting me. 
Uh, I'm just going to do the church thing. Um, but on the inside, it was, Brad, you are lost, and you are doomed, and uh, you're going to hell apart from Jesus, and you should probably fix that. And I don't know why you just can't walk down there, you idiot. Like, that was going on inside of me. But nobody knew that except for me. So these disciples, they, they, they share the gospel first time ever, and then they were unsuccessful to the telling of right, the gospel for the first time ever, and the second, and the third, and probably the fourth, because it says they kept telling him. It went something like this. Uh, dude, you should have been here. Um, Jesus walked up in the room. Uh, you're full of it, man. I don't believe you. Um, no, you... <laughs> He really did. Isn't that right? Bartholomew, who knows that guy? Um, he, he walked up into the and Bartholomew. He's like, yeah, man, he went right through the wall. And he had a deep voice. And then he's like, no, uh, I, don't, I don't think he did. I, I don't actually believe that. And it becomes kind of frustrating for him probably, apparently, because eventually he gets so tired of hearing it. He's like, man, I don't believe you. Actually, I don't believe you so strongly that unless Jesus comes back into the room, and, and I, don't, I don't just want to see him. Like, uh, your stories, they're, they're great stories. If that works for you, it works for you. But I, unless Jesus physically shows up in the room, and, and I don't just want to look at him. It doesn't need to be like a ghost thing. And I literally put my hand into the holes on his body. I'm never going to believe This isn't like some person that's never encountered Jesus before. This is a guy that walked around with Jesus for three and a half years. And he's so bothered by these stories, apparently, he becomes kind of angry. And he's like, hey, I just want you to know, shut up. Because unless he comes in this room and I like literally touch him, and, and I, I'm not just meaning like he better be okay. Like I, I want to put my hand into his side. I don't believe a thing you just said. The first time the gospel was shared, that was the response, and it was to somebody who should have been, right, labeled as a Christian. Would have been in our book anyway. Now, before we beat up on Thomas too much, I, I just want you to know, I think he gets a very unfair rap in this story because I, I know a lot of people that act just like Thomas, right? Now, there's a planet full of Thomases, actually. Like, basically anybody that we know that is not a, a Christian is probably bent towards a Thomas. They're what we call a skeptic, right? There are some people that your stories, man, they work for. And it's like, man, that's great. I love that. What do I got to do, right? But there are a whole lot of people out there that are like, you know what, I your stories are great, and if that works for you, it works for you, but unless I experience it myself, like unless Jesus pops down in the room here today himself, I don't have anything for you. And can I just be honest, a lot of times those people are in the church. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about my life is broken. My life is over. I feel hopeless. I feel useless. I feel whatever. And God here says, hey, other things, right, in the word. He says a lot of other things about that. But until we see it, we're not going to believe it. Oh, that's great. I, I, I see how God uses him or her. That's amazing, right? But I don't think he can do that with me. 
Oh, that's amazing. I see what God's doing over there in X neighborhood through one or two people or over here at this ministry through one or two people. I, I see that, but I don't believe it for me. Right. Or, oh, I see how God healed their marriage and that's great. And maybe he did. Maybe it was a counselor, but I don't believe God for that in mine. Or, man, I see how these people have hope in life and, and whatever through Jesus. But I've been coming here for blah, blah, blah. And I don't feel like that. See, stories are amazing, but stories are not enough for some people. Right. Because there are a lot of people, maybe even in this room, who it's not really about the stories anymore because we've heard stories over and over and over and over and over again. What we need is an experience. And that's Thomas at this point in time. How can Thomas be that way? He's a disciple. He's heard this story over and over and over again. Jesus said he's going to come back, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Thomas saw Jesus die. You, You don't think that'd be hard to watch? I'm just going to be honest. I if I see you crucified, I don't have much hope that you're coming back from that. Like he literally watched this guy he proclaimed as Messiah, one of his best friends, be laid on the ground, right, nailed to a cross, beaten beyond recognition, lifted up above kind of the world, and suffocate on his own blood. He, he watched that go down. And I'll just be honest, nobody had ever come back from that at this point in time. So what he's thinking is, ain't going to happen. So they're saying, oh, Jesus came back, Jesus came back, Jesus came back. He's here. And he said, no, that's great if that works for you. But until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. Right? It goes on. In verse 26, it says, after eight days, um, his disciples were indoors again. um, I don't think this is probably the first time they'd been inside uh, for eight days, by the way. Um, They were used to kind of being homeless, but I think this room was kind of a frequent flyer room at this point in time in the Jesus story. Um, I think what it's saying is they were gathered together again kind of the same way. After eight days, they were all there. This would have been the next Sunday. I know calendar-wise it's seven days, but Jewish people do the calendar weird, and they would have counted Sunday as one, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, eight days. Um, And it would have been the next Sunday. And it says they were gathered together in in the same way again. And it says, and Thomas was with them this time. Um, There was something that kind of persuaded him in the story maybe that, he should be there. Um, can, can I just say, because um, I think we would skip over this uh, if we didn't, but change doesn't happen overnight. Amen? Change doesn't happen first story. Amen? Change doesn't happen next day a lot of times. Um, this took a couple days. This was eight days later. It was the same day the next week, and, and that just kind of took him to get back in the room maybe again. But I believe that every day he's had to deal with, at this point in time, these stories of a resurrected Jesus. Now, some of that was because the disciples, I believe, were together and they persisted. <laughs> I don't know why it's Wednesday and you still don't believe, because like, <laughs> I'm still talking about it. So obviously there was something to it, but he, he really showed up. And then Thursday, maybe another one, no, brother, he, he really was there. I don't, I don't know what your hang-up is. Like he, he, he in the room, I, I don't get it. 
And eight days of hearing these stories and eight days of hearing uh, and seeing these people persistently believe, no, man, he really was there. And in that moment, we enter back into the story at 26, and it says that Thomas was with them, and it says, even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, peace to you. You're not pumped about that like me. Thomas was with them, right? And it says, even though the doors were locked, Jesus came in and he stood with them and he said, peace to you. You still aren't fired up about that. Can can I just say, like, Jesus didn't have to use the door. Oh, that's great. You don't don't get it yet. Jesus didn't even have to climb in the window, right? Can I just break it down? We're not going to get there. Um, (laughs) There was a million reasons why Jesus should not be in that room. The walls, uh, some of them. The doors, uh, some more. The windows, they were all shut. We could have been six stories up. We could have been ground level. It could have been thatched roof, mud roof. Didn't matter, right? There are a million reasons Jesus shouldn't be in this room because, man, there were all kinds of obstacles to Jesus being in this room. Like, he was locked out of the room, pretty much. Like, they were locking the Jews out, but, you know, like, locking Jesus out at the same time. And there were all kinds of barriers that said, man, this is not going to happen. Jesus cannot get in this room. It's not going to happen. Like, Jesus didn't have to walk up and knock on the door, though, did he? He didn't have to, like, find the key under the mat and let himself in. He, he, he came through the barriers. See, the reality of it is, is we count people out because there's barriers, right? Oh, man, they, they can't come to Jesus because of this, or they don't want to hear that story because of this, or they're one of them angry people, whatever, you know? Like, can, I, can I just say, it's amazing to me this morning that we serve a God who doesn't need our permission, right? He, he didn't need you to open the door for him to come in and to, and to show up. So can I, can I just say those people in your life that are so obstinate to the gospel, it's like, no, they're never going to come. They're never going to come. They're never going to come. Every time I say it, they get mad. Every time I share, they just get hateful or they're going to they're gonna back away or whatever. Can I, can I just say, Jesus doesn't need their permission, right, to enter into their space. That's not how that works. See, our God is a God who the obstacles are not actually a big deal to. Jesus doesn't have to open the door or, or like, come through the door. He doesn't have to sneak through the window. He can walk through the walls. So, so this morning, all those people that we've counted out, and, and even maybe us that we've counted out, can I just say, man, there is a possibility for us this morning that even in our obstinance and our stubbornness and our maybe anger towards God, even in our disbelief or our skepticism, that God even can come through those barriers this morning, right, and share space with us. Oh, I don't believe that's a silly story for me. Yeah, you hang on, brother. Oh, they're angry. They're not, oh, you hang on. Oh, they're stubborn. Oh, you hang on. Because see, the truth of it is, our God is a God who walks through the barriers. He didn't have to go over. He didn't have to go around. He didn't have to be invited in. He can walk right through. And it says that even though the doors were locked, Jesus came in, and the first thing he said was, peace to you. Now, I don't know what kind of scene was going on in the room that day, but can I just say, there was some fear in the room. Amen? 
because they were afraid the Jews are going to come in, they're going to kill me, they're going to wipe us out. And, 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 and I don't know what kind of situation that God has to get us in to, to show us, man, that there is something greater than this. But can I just say, everybody that I've ever heard recently that's come to, to know Jesus later on in life, there's been something crazy happen right before that. You don't see many 80-year-olds just walk up in the place and they're like, man, I just never heard the gospel before. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get down here and pray. I've never seen that. Right? Like with kids, there's, there's this faith thing. that they have, they, they have some openness. They've not been hurt maybe or scarred by the world. But can I just say, man, maybe in those moments where the peace is non-existent is the moments the peace can show up in Jesus. Thank God for persistent storytellers. Thank God for those people who continually share the story, even in the opposition, because they know, man, there is a moment, right? There is a moment where God has ordained kind of ahead of time to tell the story. What if you quit two weeks too early? Well, what if you give up before the moment God has ordained? What if, what if because of rejection or because your feelings or because you're afraid it might make somebody uncomfortable? Because I'll just be honest, Thomas was uncomfortable. You quit telling the story, and then Thomas doesn't show up that day. For Jesus to come through the barriers. Thank God for persistent storytellers. See, the reality of it is when we come in contact with a resurrected Savior, that's kind of all we can talk about. I don't want to make people uncomfortable. You'll talk about sports teams they don't like. I don't want to make people uncomfortable. Yeah, you, you'll talk about TV shows you know that they're not going to watch, right? I don't want to make people uncomfortable. You'll get on Facebook and air out your political opinions in front of everybody. Retweet, hashtag. The truth of it is, man, you just don't want to tell the story of the resurrected Savior. Because you're afraid you might get rejected. Let, let me just take all that back for you. You are going to get rejected. And the next time you tell this story, probably going to get rejected again. And the next time, you're probably going to get rejected again. But six months down the road in this moment that God already knows is going to implode on this person's life, maybe it's those stories of persistent, there is hope, there is a resurrected Savior that are going to lead him into a moment where God can walk through the barrier and right through the wall and speak into that moment. Oh, by the way, uh, peace is here and his name is Jesus. And it says in that moment, that's the moment we're entering into kind of right now at this moment. Uh, he, he says to Thomas, why don't you just put your finger right here? Observe my hands. Don't you love how Jesus, we, we beat up on Thomas. Jesus never did, not one time. We do that because we're Christians. It makes us feel better about ourselves. But Jesus knows we're all messed up. And he looks at Thomas. He's like, hey, brother, um, it's really me. Why don't you just put your hand up in there? Actually, if that's not enough, man, look at my, you just put your, shove your whole hand up in my side. You can, you can feel my ribs. It's pretty awesome. Just put your hand in there. He didn't say, you idiot, I can't believe you. I walked with you for three and a half years. I spent so much time discipling you, and you walked away, and you didn't believe, and I can't believe you. That's the different voice in our head. Jesus said, hey, it's no big deal. Put your hand right here. Because if you're looking for a sign, if like that's your thing, uh, I'm not afraid to give you one. 
He says, why don't you you reach out and you put your hand into my side? And then he says this, don't be an unbeliever, but a believer. See, Jesus wasn't wanting to fuss with Thomas and, 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 and beat down Thomas because what Jesus was concerned about more than anything else was just that Thomas would believe in who he was. And Jesus was so concerned about that that he was willing to walk through walls to get there and show any signs he needed to so that he would believe. And this is what Thomas said. It says, Thomas replied to him, my Lord and my God. (laughs) What do you mean? Like seven days ago, Thomas was like, I'm never gonna believe. Shut your mouth. Tired of hearing your story. Done with that junk. Don't want to hear the Jesus stuff. I'm over that now. He's dead. He's in a tomb. They took his body off somewhere. And unless he shows up in the room, I think you're full of it. And seven days later, through some persistent storytelling, right? Through, through some people just taking Jesus serious on, I got a mission for you. Go out and tell the story of the resurrected Savior. Here's the Holy Spirit. It's not about your knowledge. It's not about your, your, your intellect. It's just about me. Oh, by the way, people are going to reject you. Just people being willing to be used. Now Thomas, seven days later, is saying, My Lord and my God. Oh, man. You weren't lying, were you, man? This is awesome. I believe it today. Thank God for persistent storytellers. See, the truth of it is this morning, um, Jesus didn't just show up in that room to give that mission to 10 people. Amen? Maybe Jesus like physically didn't like through the ceiling this morning and be like, hey, everybody, I just want you to know um, I got something for you. I'm here. I'm resurrected. You've seen it. Go tell the story. Can I just say he told us, for most of us, reminded us, I'm here. Go tell the story. Man, I don't even think I can say that in a manner that would even duplicate the reality of the need for that and the desire in the heart of Jesus for that. See, the reality of it is those people that we counted out are the people that Jesus loves and wants to save. The people that we would say there's no way in the world they're ever going to come to know him are the very people Right? that Jesus has already set a spot in time, a little, a little date on the calendar and said, man, this is the day. You just got to get them in. You, you got you to tell the story and get them in the place. You, you just got to lead them to the room. You just got to lead. Maybe the room is the park for you. The room doesn't have to be here. Maybe the, the room is your kitchen for you. The room doesn't have to be here, right? Because I'm not the only person on the planet that knows the gospel, praise God. Because I don't even feel that good at it most of the time. Amen. See, the truth of it is, is anybody in this room that's experienced the resurrected Savior has a story. It's not about theology. Memorize it if you want to. It's it's a good pursuit. But man, I'll just be honest. There's not many Bible verses in here that are going to catch the non-believer. 
If you start out with a basis of, I don't believe, this is not truth to you yet. Amen? There's not many messages that I can preach that a non-believer is going to be like, oh man, that's awesome. I, I want in on that, unless you were raised in church. But man, I'll, I'll be honest, what changes people? What will, what will change the people around you? What will change your family? Bring them here. But if that's your only tool, they're going to probably be lost. What changes people is the story that there was a resurrected Savior and I came in contact with him and he's changed everything about me. They don't want your theology because it doesn't mean anything. They don't want your Bible verses because it doesn't mean anything. What they want is, I was dead and now I'm alive. I, I was doomed and now I'm not. I was hopeless, but now I'm not. I was depressed and beaten down and now I'm not. I was addicted, but now I'm free. I was this, but now I'm this. And all that came through one view of the resurrected Savior. And day one, you know what? It may sound like crap to them because they're skeptical. And day two, it may also sound much the same way. And three and four and five and six and seven, maybe six months later, maybe six years later, you're still going to be praying and doing the same thing. But what if you give up the day before their breakthrough? See, the truth of it is, God says he's faithful, doesn't he? And if he'll do his part, right? if you'll do yours but your part not if you feel comfortable with it or if you like it or if that's your gift your part is the same as everybody else's part that's ever seen the resurrected savior wasn't that great get up and go tell the story so let me just ask you this any any don't raise your hand please uh, anybody in the room know a thomas oh i don't believe i'm skeptical I'm an intellectual. I have to make it make sense. Can I just say, God's not done with them yet. If you'll do your part. Maybe the different question is, anybody in the room a Thomas? Not, not maybe uh, I'm, I'm lost a Thomas, but maybe, man, I don't feel hope a Thomas. Or I don't feel like this situation is going to get better, Thomas. Or I don't know that God cares about that or does that anymore. Can, can I just say this morning um, that Jesus loves Thomases. He sent the majority of the room, right, after Thomas. Ten of the twelve, right? One was dead, one didn't believe. The other ten, here's your job. And it may not have made atomic bomb impact, right? In the middle of Jerusalem. But Thomas, come to know Jesus, numbers-wise, would be like, man, that's not, not really a great revival. But can I just tell you, um, for Thomas, it made an atomic bomb impact. Because Thomas... Um, after stating my Lord and my God, um, he went out to do the very same thing, right? This doubting Thomas, this guy we beat up on uh, in, in the church, this guy we say, man, I don't know how he could think that way. Um, he left after this, 
and he, he went to India. Church tradition, look it up. And he died for sharing the very same story of the resurrected Savior. After planting churches, after seeing revival, after seeing a, you know, a landmass full of people um, come to know Jesus, um, then he died because, man, he didn't doubt anymore. Made a difference in him. And through him, God made a difference in India. Man, who's, who's your Thomas? What could God do through your Thomas? If, if that's you, man, what could God do through you? But man, if that's your neighbor, your friend, your brother, your sister, cashier at Walmart, um, what could God do through your Thomas if you would just do your part? I want to see a revival in the city. Maybe that comes through somebody you know right now. Maybe it's not through you. Maybe you're not the bomb. Maybe they're the bomb, right? But man, if you're the one that pushes them out of the plane, I feel like it's a pretty good job. Let's pray.